Hey everyone, before we begin, I just want to remind you that we have some new merch in the merch store. It is the Take Care line, and I'm very, very happy and passionate about this design and the message behind it. I'd appreciate it if you checked out the link in the description to my Teespring store and maybe pick you something up. Use code TAKECARE to get 15% off your entire order, no matter how big or how small. Thanks again everyone for listening, and now, let's get into the video. There exist numerous places on our planet that seem to defy explanation. The Bermuda Triangle, Ireland's Vanishing Triangle, and the most recent one I've run across is the Lake Michigan Triangle. I believe it's just coincidence that all of these places happen to be triangles. All you need is a large area that can be covered by three notable points. But it's what takes place inside these triangles that really seem to be a cause for concern. We've talked about the Bermuda Triangle in length before, and mentioned the Ireland Triangle in passing, but today, I want to cover some cases that are said to be connected to Lake Michigan's Triangle. Let's begin. The Mysteries Arise The Triangle itself only has two points in Michigan, Lundington and Benton Harbor. The final one is in Mantawak, Wisconsin. It all began in May of 1891, when a schooner, which is a sailing ship named the Thomas Hume, departed from Chicago en route to Muskegon after dropping off lumber. This would be the last known sighting for decades to come. It was eventually determined the ship was capsized or destroyed following an incredibly dangerous storm along their route back to Muskegon. The ship was believed to have been destroyed, and all seven crew members were lost at sea. A search was conducted the following day, but no remnants of the boat were discovered. And that was until 2006, when a man named Taras Lensenko, who worked with the A&T Recovery, discovered the ship in a southern portion of Lake Michigan. It was nearly completely intact. Despite this incredible discovery and numerous things being found aboard, clothing, jewelry, and tools, researchers have yet to determine what took place in the ship's final moments. Various other incidents similar to that one of the Thomas Hume began popping up in the following years. Known as the Rose Bell Incident, 11 individuals from the Benton Harbor House of David went missing while traveling over Lake Michigan. Strangely enough... Their ship was discovered not underwater, but floating upside down aimlessly through the lake. There were signs of a collision, most likely with another vessel, but there were no reports of such a thing happening in that time frame. Furthermore, no debris was discovered that would further corroborate this belief. Others have also pointed out the strange fact that the Rose Bell had to be prepared once before, following an incident very similar to the one that would eventually leave it drifting in the water of Lake Michigan. From there, we can fast forward some time to 1950 and the Northwest Airlines Flight 2501. In an article from 2018 talking about the crash, quote, Northwest Airlines Flight 2501, a DC-4 en route from New York to Seattle, crashed into Lake Michigan on June 23, 1950, about four hours after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport. 
All 58 people aboard were killed, and it was deemed the worst civilian air disaster at the time. The worst part? The plane has yet to be discovered. An article published just four days after the crash said, A Coast Guard fleet returned to St. Joseph after an extensive six-hour search of an area 10 to 15 miles offshore without recovering a single body or any major part of the lost plane. Small pieces of debris were found floating about 19 miles west of St. Joseph, but other than, quote, a child's ragdoll, a torn picture of a woman, a briefcase, a top of a suitcase, a woman's shoes, and more than a dozen shirts and sweaters, still nothing was discovered that gave answers to the numerous questions. There are theories that this plane was struck by lightning, although some officials from the Coast Guard said that this was unlikely. All of these mysteries seem to have no conclusion, but there is one case in the Lake Michigan Triangle that seems to give us hope that something in the form of an explanation can be found. That's the case of Stephen Kabecki. The Case of Stephen Kabecki It all began in February of 1978. Stephen was a student at the time from Deerfield, Massachusetts, studying history at college in Holland. He decided to take a skiing trip in Michigan near that area where the triangle is located. A day followed, and his family became incredibly worried that something may have happened to him. Given it was February in Michigan and Stephen was alone, the odds were not stacked in his favor. The police ventured out, and soon, the case became strange. The search was called off on the 20th of February when Stephen's skis and knapsack were found on the shore of Lake Michigan. Police put two and two together and came to the conclusion that Stephen had fallen into the lake and drowned. From an article the day after the search was called off, Footprints appeared to leave the area onto the offshore ice, police reported. Troopers said identification led them to Hope College, where Quebecki is a history major. Some online have reported that his footprints simply stopped, and it looked that he had vanished, but as we can see from this article, that wasn't the case. At some point, Stephen had to have stepped onto the frozen lake. The idea of him drowning wouldn't be too far-fetched at all. The only issue is that that isn't what took place. Because Stephen returned. From February 18, 1978 to May 15, 1979, Stephen was missing. And then he just wasn't. According to Stephen, he woke up in a field with a satchel next to him filled with maps. He didn't recognize any of them as his. Confused, he began walking and hitchhiked his way to Pittsfield, which was 40 miles away. Once there, he made it to his aunt's house, who then called his parents, and they were reunited. From an article two days following his return, family members said Quebecki appeared to be in perfect health, but could offer no explanations as to his whereabouts. When it was later determined that he'd woken up in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, the mysteries and questions only rose. Great Barrington was nearly 700 miles from where he was originally thought to be last seen. 
Of course, numerous questions were raised, most commonly, where have you been, what happened? And Stephen couldn't answer them. According to him, he had no recollection of what took place. In an interview done for the Times-Herald, he said, The only thing I can think of is what mountain climbers suffer from, loss of body heat and exhaustion. That combination can result in a temporary loss of memory. Stephen was an avid hiker, though, with many publications noting that he's climbed mountains before. Even if this is what took place, wouldn't he have seen the signs and been able to stop it or have the idea of trying to make it back to safer terrain? Even so, let's not forget that he woke up 700 miles away in a different state. Let's cover some of the theories about Stephen's odd case. We'll talk about the seemingly credible ones and the ones that are a bit more improbable. Theories Kidnapping This one, while it seems to make sense on the surface, doesn't add up in the end. First, only Stephen's friends knew he was going hiking that day. Secondly, as we've said before, it was February in Michigan. I don't think anyone was waiting for the perfect opportunity. Lastly, there were no other footprints seen in the snow during the search. If Stephen's prints were still there, anyone else's prints should have been there as well. Furthermore, there were no signs of a struggle. If Stephen had walked out onto the ice, something he was known by friends to do, kidnapping would have been even more difficult unless the kidnappers had the proper gear. It just doesn't make sense. Alien Abduction This is another one I've seen thrown around on certain paranormal boards that get a hold of this case. Of course, it would explain how he woke up 700 miles away, but other than that, there isn't much more to entertain here. I believe what's taking place with this theory is that many are reading that Stephen's footprints suddenly stopped, but as we covered before, that wasn't the case. It was clear he'd stepped out onto the ice. Along with this, many abduction stories, almost conveniently so, are intertwined with memory loss. Furthermore, these tales are anecdotal at best and usually fall into the realm of fiction or false memories. I'm not saying that aliens don't exist, that's a topic for another day. I'm only saying that while making an interesting tall tale, there is no current science to back this one up. Dissociative Disorder and Dissociative Amnesia Now, I know that these are two very different things, but I'm coupling them together as they're both mental illnesses and fall in the same realm of possibility. We'll start with dissociative amnesia. WebMD defines this as something that occurs when a person blocks out certain information, usually associated with a stressful or traumatic event, leaving him or her unable to remember important personal information. With this disorder, the degree of memory loss goes beyond normal forgetfulness and includes gaps in memories for long periods of time, or memories involving the traumatic event. Now, we don't know what took place on the day of Stephen's hiking trip, but maybe he does, he just doesn't know it. 
Let's theorize that there was some sort of foul play and that somehow Stephen was kidnapped. Over the next 14 months, he would be held in a place that wasn't familiar and, for whatever reason, be released in Massachusetts sometime later. The maps could have been left with him to cause further confusion. Memories of what took place could be locked away somewhere. Of course, this would go against what I said before about there being no sign of foul play. Along with that, there were no signs of head trauma, and Stephen, despite saying he felt like he'd ran a marathon, was basically in perfect health. So what about this idea of a dissociative fugue? Again, using WebMD, we can see that a dissociative fugue or dissociative disorder is described as mental illness that involved disruptions or breakdowns of memory, consciousness, awareness, identity, and or perception. When one or more of these functions is disrupted, symptoms can result. These symptoms can interfere with a person's general functioning, including social and work activities and relationships. Some of these may include sudden and unplanned travel from home, inability to recall past events, confusion or loss of memory about his or her identity to make up for the loss, and extreme distress and problems with daily functioning. As I said, many of these fall in line with Stephen's case. Furthermore, the fugue state can be brought on by incredible stress, like, say, being worried about freezing to death while on a hike. This is something Stephen mentioned being worried about in an interview we spoke of before. As far as him waking up 700 miles away, that could have simply been a case of Stephen hitchhiking, possibly subconsciously, to a place he knew was familiar. Keep in mind, he was only 30 miles from a family member's home. As far as him waking up 700 miles away, that could have simply been the case of Stephen hitchhiking, possibly subconsciously, to a place he knew was familiar. Keep in mind, he was only 30 miles away from a family member's home. You may be thinking that if Stephen was missing for so long, wouldn't have someone recognized him? And you're right, but Stephen had been presumed deceased. Other than his parents, who'd said they believed him to be deceased, no one would have really been looking for him. Along with this, he could have taken on a new identity. This is one of the symptoms of going through this fugue state. Finally, Stephen was in his late college years, placing him at the age where mental illness issues would be making themselves become known. Something like this could have been sitting dormant for some time and only sprouted following an event of intense stress. This does seem like the most likely scenario, but why haven't we seen anyone saying this mystery is solved? Because Stephen was never diagnosed with this dissociative disorder. Most likely because he refuses to see a psychiatrist. He's said it in numerous interviews and various publications. But why not? I'm not sure we'll ever know. Conclusion Stephen's case is definitely one of the oddest ones I've covered in quite some time, while being simultaneously one of the most interesting. Was this a case of a dormant mental illness making itself known for the first time, or did Stephen just want to disappear for a while? 
Despite all this taking place, Stephen went on to live a normal life, eventually getting a master's degree in linguistics and a PhD in clinical psychology. What do you make of his case and the others that we touched on here tonight? Let me know if you believe there really is something happening in the Lake Michigan Triangle or if all of these are just simply coincidence. I just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who took the time out of their day to sit down and watch this video or listen to it. Whichever one, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Be sure to go down in the comment section below and tell me what you think about all the cases we covered today, especially Stevens. It's very, very strange to say the least. Um, if you're interested, you can support the channel by checking out the new merch that just dropped. I'm calling it the Take Care line. It'll be on the screen right now if you want to see it and go over to the link in the description to check it out. You can use code TAKECARE for 15% off your entire order, no matter how much you put in the cart. I also want to give a quick thank you to all of my patrons and some of the most recent channel members. Everyone you see on screen now is pledging to the channel monthly, and it helps out a lot. If you're interested in doing that, click that little join button below the video, or check out the link to my Patreon page in the description and top comment. But that is going to do it for me tonight. Be sure to theorize in the comments section below. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. And as always, stay safe out there.